Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And we have a super, super special episode for you guys today. Julia, are you excited? I am so pumped for this. You have no idea. I do have an idea because I'm also <laughs> very pumped. Um, but joining us today is my good friend, Emma Keel. Emma, how are you? Hi. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Julia. I'm doing well. I'm also super pumped to be talking with you both today on this topic. <laughs> oh my gosh. So should we tell them if they didn't actually look at the episode title? This is on the Twilight Saga. Yes. Woo. That's <laughs> right. Yes. We are talking about Twilight. And New Moon. And uh-huh. Eclipse. And Breaking Dawn. And maybe a little bit of Midnight Sun. Julia, you're Ooh. on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there with you. I read Midnight Sun. Yes! I totally talk about it. <laughs> yes! We yes. don't need to talk about it a ton, but I feel like it needs an honorable mention here. I think so, too. I, I think it adds some interesting context. It and does. It's definitely worth uh, taking a little sidebar for. Thank you, Emma. Maggie did not finish it. <laughs> I... Okay, Midnight Sun is so long. It is like 600 pages. It is very long for a Twilight book. Yeah. Oh, well, she added extra scenes in it, but I feel like those extra scenes are worth it. Okay. I I need to give it another go. I just really didn't have the time. And when I started reading it, I just couldn't get into it. I was just like, Edward, you are so creepy and depressing. (laughs) I agree. I I feel like I actually, yeah, I thought about that. I feel like I didn't, the first three quarters of the book were exhausting. And then the last quarter of the book was awesome. Like when finally, when James and Victoria all come in and then you get to see all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that Bella's not aware of. And uh, I think it's, I love that part, but, but yeah, just hearing them rehash and the, the romantic scenes and like everything that's going on in his head I was like okay Edward like come on <laughs> I, don't I mean need to read this again yeah I was laughing through the entire book but mm-hmm. I really I really liked the Cullen group family like scenes yes. at home that she added into it I was like oh great this rounds out the story a little bit more mm-hmm. um but yeah, no, he's so dramatic the he's whole time. Very dramatic. <laughs> I honestly feel like I would love to read another Twilight book that followed anybody but Edward and Bella because so many other characters are so interesting and I want to right. know more about them. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? I would, in a heartbeat, read about Alice and Jasper. Oh yeah, absolutely. A heartbeat. <laughs> so should we get into it? Let's do this. I guess I can kick us off with a tiny summary. How tiny is tiny? It's pretty tiny because I was like, what kind of a summary should I do to encompass four books? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I could either give a very, very detailed summary or I could just give you a vague idea of what happens. So here Because we're assuming that everyone listening to this has already listened to or read or watched Twilight. Yes, and if you haven't, this is really all you need to know. Mm-hmm. When Bella Swan moves to Forks, Washington to live with her father, Charlie, she meets a group of vampires and falls in love with Edward. 
And then later she meets a group of werewolves and falls in love with Jacob. <laughs> Who will she choose? <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever laughed during your summaries, but that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it that's nice. twilight all right yeah that's all right you guys want us. some fun facts about twilight? yes please um well this is just a personal fun fact i actually went to forks washington a couple of years ago and lived out my twilight dreams that's incredible yeah it was cool it was like the off season for their tourists apparently they have a fair like a whole weekend dedicated to Twilight in September, I think, but we went in October. So we just missed it. But they have just like in all of their shops around town, they have different memorabilia just in shadow boxes. And they'll so, you know, this is a character that wore this in this movie and whatnot. And all it's, it's, they definitely lean in t- into Twilight. And it was, it was still very fun. Um, I'll have to post pictures on our Instagram. Yes, please that's, do. That's uh, so fun. Definitely was, a dream trip of mine as well. Yeah, also because Forks looks beautiful. It is. Uh, yeah, going there in the fall was definitely a good idea. I'm bummed that we missed the the tourist season, but it's still very pretty. So definitely recommend. Also, it's like a really far drive. You have to like drive through Port Angeles and you pass by La Push and it's like in the corner of Washington. Um oh wow. Yeah. But it's worth it. It's a it the drive is worth it. And it's pretty. Anyway, actual fun facts that aren't personal. Stephanie Meyer, the author of the Twilight Saga, has her own production company, which I did not actually know. It's called Ficklefish Films, and it helped to produce the last two Twilight movies, Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2, and one of Stephanie Meyer's other books, The Host, and it also produced Austinland. I was going to say, why do I recognize that production company? Yeah. You know I love Austin Land, you guys. I do know that specifically. Like Maggie and I have definitely gushed about Austin Land before. It's so good. Stephanie did that for us. Thank you. Yes, she did. (laughs) The next fun fact: Twilight was rejected nine times before getting picked up by an agent. Like the book was rejected. Uh, She sent out fifteen letters. Five of them didn't get a response. Nine of them said, no, thank you. And then finally there was one agent that was like, yeah, sure. And then once she got an agent, like eight different publishing companies were vying for Twilight. Makes sense. I mean, they knew that was going to be a moneymaker. Yeah. Once it had an agent attached to it. But yeah. I feel like the people, the the other agents were like, mm, sparkly vampires. I might pass on this. Uh <laughs> And final fun fact, uh, which is a fact that I think a lot of people know if they've read Twilight. Twilight came from a dream that Stephanie Meyer had on June 2nd, 2003. Her dream started at chapter 13, and she wrote and finished from 13 to the end, and then backtracked to the rest of the book, and finished it in three months. Oh my goodness. 
That's mm-hmm. a really quick turnaround. I know. Wait, chapter 13. What 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 part is that? I don't even know. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I did not read Twilight in preparation for this. I'm banking on the information that I have from high school. <laughs> right. You guys, I just Googled what happens in chapter 13 of Twilight. Okay. Summary, chapter 13, confessions. You guys, this is on Spark Notes. Okay. Edward ex- on Spark Notes? Oh yeah. <laughs> Edward explains that he's more dangerous to Bella than to anyone else because he has an intense craving for her. <laughs> okay, that's what happens in chapter 13. <laughs> Stephanie was having a very specific kind of dream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, is this the oh, moment no. where they're in the forest and she's like, I know who you are? Or is this after the fact? This is after the fact, I think. Yeah, this is after the fact. Like after they're in the meadow and everything? Yeah, it looks like in the meadow scene is chapter 11. Mm. Okay, so this is what I'm getting from Spark Notes, which <laughs> you guys, hey, Twilight's on Spark, Spark Notes. Great. We need to just let that sink in for a second. Yeah, I need okay. to find out if there's any English teacher that's teaching this. Uh, I hope so. I really hope well, so. Well, so I was trying to think about Twilight and the the things about it because I remember the movies the second movie, they were learning about Romeo and Juliet, and I feel like they went along the same trope as Romeo and Juliet, you know? Yes. Mm, and I was mm-hmm, trying definitely. to remember if the first book did that or any of the other ones or if it was just the second one. I think it was just the second one. But I suppose you could make probably an argument for different classical literature or plays for the other books, too, because – it's basically just a love triangle in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you definitely get the the two warring factions, obviously. I feel like maybe the first book is more just the very first time, like when Romeo and Juliet meet, mm-hmm. like those first couple of scenes before they really get into all the politics of it. Mm-hmm. But they both know it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> It's so wrong, it's but it feels so right. Yeah, because I, I forget that so much of Twilight is like, well, like the Twilight Saga, not really the first book, a little bit the first book, but in New Moon and really in Eclipse, it is so much about the werewolves and the vampires, like mm-hmm. not understanding and hating the other's existence. I forgot mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. It's huge. And they're like natural born enemies. And I also think it's interesting too, knowing that the werewolves, the whole like now in, in, uh, in their, uh, like in modern times, they only like werewolves only start to come about when vampires are present. Mm -hmm. So like the whole reason that any of them became werewolves is because the Cullens moved in and that's, so complicated because I feel like a lot of them are very get have very bitter moments about being werewolves yeah because that's a big burden to carry okay so I have been re-watching the vampire diaries and <laughs> let me just say that there was uh, an episode I think last night or the night before where they were talking about needing balance in nature and vampires obviously put nature out of balance and so then that's where werewolves come in is they help to 
balance everything with like natural selection. And so I think that's probably where Stephanie Meyer was going with that was this new thing is introduced to the ecosystem. So now the ecosystem has to adapt in order to continue to survive, which is kind of cool. It is neat. Yeah. And I wonder if that, I I don't know if she ever touches on it on the books, but I wonder if stuff like that like crops up elsewhere in the world as well. Because it seems like other vampires, not the Cullens, are like aware of werewolves, but they've never really encountered them. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it used to be more present or something. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's very interesting. I wonder if it's also, I guess this doesn't really matter, but it's also because of where they live. It's in such a like forested area. And so, and because they're the only ones there, maybe it was like the werewolves had to be their enemy. Because when you think about like the Volturi, it's not like there are werewolves running about Italy. Right. Oh, yeah. Valid point. There's a plot hole right there. Stephanie Meyer, ah. explain this to us. What the heck? Yeah, because it would se- it would seem weird if like the werewolf gene was specific to just this one Native American tribe in this one corner of North America. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of how she writes it, where there ha- there has to be more somewhere, right? You would think. I don't know. You would think that there mm-hmm. would be somewhere. I wonder. Yeah, very very interesting. I would have to reread the books to see if they say anything about it. But I don't fully remember from what I remember when they tell their origin story to Bella. It's just that they existed to protect the lands from vampires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say, I think in the books, they, the, the werewolf gene was present before vampires to protect, I think it's like to protect the tribe in general. But then once they enc- encountered the first vampire, it became much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And that became, yeah. Okay. Like natural selection. That makes yeah. sense. An evolutionary trait. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had, they'd existed and then they kind of started, like the gene um, didn't pop up as much. But then, like way, way back when the first vampire came, it started becoming prevalent again. Hmm. Well, we've gotten very far into <laughs> our analysis, but Emma, mm-hmm. the biggest reason you are here outside of, you know, obviously being friend of Maggie and fan of podcast and very flattering on Instagram when you were talking to me. So obviously oh. like that trifecta <laughs> really just yes. gets you onto the podcast. Oh, I'm so honored. Um, but you also said when you were talking to me that this was the first time you had ever read Twilight. You were very excited and I was very excited because I feel like most people that I know have read Twilight as a teenager or like as a young a young adult or like a middle grade student and you are an adult and you read Twilight for the very first time. What made you start it as an adult? It is really wild and definitely not something I ever thought that I would pick up as an adult. Um, It never really interested me when I was at the age when it was, I think I remember being in like seventh and eighth grade when it was really popular. Um, 
And I just wasn't very interested in like the whole romance thing. You know, I kind of quote unquote didn't want to be like other girls. So I I read a lot of books, but I had I just had no interest in Twilight. But actually, um, my fiance, uh, Rob, is super into Twilight. He's the first one that ever made me watch the movies uh, a couple of years ago. And he read them as a kid and like always loved them. So at some point last year, we were watching the movies. I had seen the movies before. We were like rewatching them and I was getting into them. And he asked me like, do you want to reread Twilight with me? And I was like, no, that sounds horrible I don't want to do that but he just kind of kept badgering me and and, he, and we decided I was like fine okay we'll, we'll read through Twilight together we'll make it a little book club you know after we finished each book we had like got a bottle of wine and we took notes and um talked about it together and stuff so and I ended up having so much fun and I was like this is so interesting and also thinking about like how so many of my friends were reading it at the time and I was like missing out on this cultural phenomenon it was kind of fun to catch back up on that mm-hmm. um so yeah I just <laughs> essentially did it uh, because Rob really wanted to uh but I have no regrets uh it was really fascinating to read as as an adult um and I am glad I think that I read it for the first time as an adult because there's so much nuance there that Mm -hmm. I kind of can't imagine taking in all this information as like a 13 year old yeah (laughs) so and I don't think you would take in all of that information exactly I think you'd probably just pick up on you'd you'd pick up on uh, the romance the romance and everything but obviously there's a lot there's a lot of complicated things Mm -hmm. about there about the romance there's a lot of things that are toxic and so I think as an adult I was like okay I feel like comfortable taking all of this in um yeah but that's but that's why I picked it up in the first place okay wow first of all shout out to Rob yeah that's amazing <laughs> yeah he's Second a real all, sweetheart I just gotta say doing a buddy read with your fiance has got to be one of the most romantic things I've ever heard in my entire life I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, I would start dating again if someone wanted to do a book club with me. It is. It was super fun. And I had a lot of fun, too, like taking notes on my Kindle and making jokes and stuff like I was highlighting things out of context and um, like stuff that would sound like innuendos and things. I would highlight it. And so we had like, we had a lot of fun um, just like doing goofy stuff like that. That's genuinely so amazing. You have inspired me. I'm going to ask my boyfriend if he wants to buddy read Twilight. Oh my God, you should. You should. It's so much fun. (laughs) You get to, Uh, you really get to learn a lot about each other. (laughs) Like I found out that like my fiance has very strong feelings about Carlisle. And that's a really, it seems like it's a really big part of him. And like, like this positive oh, feelings? good feelings about okay he really really likes carlisle and yeah we kind of call him Ooh. daddy carlisle in our household well, yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> hot doctor dad yes yes, yes. carlisle <laughs> love him i think i'm secretly just like terrified he's gonna turn out to be team jacob and i'll have to question everything <laughs> in my life <laughs> That would be that would be really hard to deal with. I think. <laughs> oh, so both of you are Team Edward. I want to make it clear that I'm Team Nobody, but 
Fair. If I had to pick one, yes, I think that Edward is much more suited for Bella because upon like re or like wa- I watched the films for the first time in October and I've like reread part of Twilight and upon doing so, I just realized like Edward is not great to Bella either. Don't get me wrong. But Jacob straight up gaslights her constantly. And it's really, really hard to read. And he is super, super childish, like super childish in a way that like, yes, Bella is a teenager as well, but she is more of an old soul, quote unquote, which is why Mm -hmm. I think that she can get on with Edward at all. And I just, I can't get behind Jacob. I cannot do it. Like every so often I'm, I think, oh, he's charming. They're friends, maybe. But then he constantly says horrible things to her. And he's super mean to her anytime he's having a hard time. Anytime. Yeah. No one informed him that actually being mean to your crush is not a good thing. Yeah. He never really grew out of that. (laughs) He never really figured that out. I would, I would totally agree where I think there are like some really problematic elements in both relationships, but that I think that was one of the things that surprised me knowing about the cultural phenomenon, like knowing about team Edward, teen Jacob, and then actually reading the books where I was like, I can't even believe teen Jacob is even an option. <laughs> and that's something that cause like how many times does she have to say, I don't want to be with you for like for Jacob and for anyone on team Jacob to realize that she doesn't want to be with him. Like she's it's constantly never enough. saying it. She's constantly saying like, I love you, but it's not like that. Um, so I thought it was a huge surprise that that was even a choice. Um, I agree. Yeah. And he's, and- yeah, you're right. Like he is constantly gaslighting her. And I felt like the the biggest moment where it felt like Stephanie was trying to kind of give us a glimpse into like, oh, maybe she will choose him was in Eclipse when he's about to like go off and fight the newborn army. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that she and Edward are going to get married and he like, he basically threatens suicide and yeah. she's like, Oh no, kiss me. And then they have this, like what's supposed to be a romantic moment. And I was like, Oh my goodness. That is not, that is incredibly toxic. It's not okay. And that's their big romantic moment. Like what I, it's, I, I just can't even believe it's an option. No, I think their romantic moment was around that same time, but it's when he had to be the space heater. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But again, for survival. Yes. <laughs> like, it was just to keep her alive. Yes. And Edward oh. basically threatened him as yeah. well as yeah. that was happening. Yeah. That whole, I also watched some of the movies recently and that whole scene when she's asleep and they're in the tent is just so <laughs> painful to get through. It's horrible to watch. Oh it's my God. So how bad. Kristen Bell was able to sleep through that, like pretend to even sleep through that. I know. It's I, really I a testament so to her acting. For her. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And I feel like the big like team question, I guess, just gets at the like, you know, should should she choose what's good for her, quote unquote, or should she like follow her heart? I think is kind of what the the crux of that team Edward team Jacob is. But I think it's pretty clear that like even 
if she was to not become a vampire, being with Jake would not be great for her. And it doesn't really acknowledge that there's an option in which she just goes off and does something else with her life, which she is like free to do. But obviously she (laughs) really doesn't want that. And it doesn't feel like there's any point where she's not going to follow her heart. Cause she also like, she up until that, like this story, she's been an incredibly responsible person and she's been, um, like the caretaker for her mom and she takes care of Charlie and it doesn't really feel like she's ever done anything for herself and really just like, yeah, followed her heart and done what she wanted to do. And so in that context, I'm like, yeah, if you want to be a vampire and you've thought it through, go be a vampire girl. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it's, it's tough because I'm not saying that the male characters that she can choose from need to be perfect but it's not like jacob was providing a different sort of option for her right they were they're on equal levels in terms of being a healthy relationship for bella yeah and the only reason i think that edward is a healthier option is that he loves bella for who she is entirely and he even though he is bad at it and makes very poor decisions because of it, he does put her first. He does want the best for her. Mm-hmm. He does. And he's he needs to figure out what that means and how to actually go about that. But he does want the best for her. And Jacob wants the best for her, but he wants the best for her to be the best for her that he wants. Does that make sense? That was a weird... Yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. Like, yeah, Jacob thinks that he wants the best for her, but what he is asking of her is just what he wants. Whereas, yes. And I and I, I do think also in the books, you get to see Edward improve on some of his problematic behavior. Like there's that, you know, whole thing where she's going to go see Jake and he disables her car. So she can't. And that's horrible. But then she does call him out on it. And then in the future, he does... Yeah, he doesn't do that kind of thing again. You can see him kind of slowly getting better and then eventually, you know, giving them time alone. Like when he shows up to their wedding, I think Edward invited him to their wedding and yeah. he like gives them space. So I, I, I appreciated being able to see like, okay, Edward is at least listening to her and improving. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't really see that from Jacob until he just like imprints on her daughter and then it's not an issue anymore, which is its whole own thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's the only thing that takes him away from wanting to control her life is then I guess just wanting to like devoting himself completely to her daughter. (laughs) Right. That plot twist where where he's like, I guess I was always into you because I I knew that I had was going to be connected to you through your daughter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. What? So weird. What? And also for that to for that to be a thing, there would have to be a moment where like I think I I think I've read this somewhere, but they were like they they were saying like, oh, like the week of their wedding or something, was he all of a sudden just like super attracted to Edward? Because the sperm would have been in there and he's like, what's going on? Like there there would have to be a moment (laughs) where all of a sudden he feels the same thing for Edward. And I really want that. I really, I really want that as like a short story of like what's going through his mind. Definitely needs to We need that. We need that. 
Yes. Uh, okay. Just brief interlude. If for some reason you haven't read or seen Twilight or know what we're talking about, basically, in Breaking Dawn, Bella and Edward get married, and then they have a vampire baby, I guess. It's a weird baby because he was a vampire and she wasn't. And the baby then is imprinted by Jacob, which means that he is going to love this baby until his dying day. And it's creepy because it's a baby. But then it's creepier because the baby grows at a rapid rate. So then for like the rest of the movie, you just have to know he's in love with this 12-year-old, which is honestly worse somehow. (laughs) Yeah. But it's – okay. So (laughs) this is not saying it's okay because I still think it's incredibly disgusting. Um, But we do see – And I feel like we do get to understand at least a little bit the different types of love that there are because it's not that he's necessarily in love with this stupidly named child, Renesme, um, Renaissance. um, (laughs) Ravioli. (laughs) Rigatoni. So it's not that he's in love with her romantically. He loves her kind of like a niece or nephew or like a daughter kind of, if that makes it creepier. So we're going with a niece or nephew or like godparent sort of situation. And then hopefully either it doesn't adapt and he just continues to let Ravioli live her own life or, or, uh, it does change in a healthy sort of way to romantic love eventually. Yeah. And I will say I they did in the books like set some precedent for that because yes. like one of his werewolf buddies imprints on like a six-year-old girl and before all of this happens and they he does talk about how like it's super weird but he's basically just like her big brother and maybe someday they'll get together but it is like, yeah. So like Stephanie sets some precedents, but mm-hmm. it's still really strange, <laughs> especially knowing weird. that it may grow yeah. up, grow into a romantic relationship eventually, whereas it once was like a full grown man and and a six year old who are just super super tight. It's 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 strange, but <laughs> she does kind of go out of her way to say like, it's not it's not romantic. It's not you know in that moment so but i don't know i think we're all feeling a little weird about it yeah i feel like she took a really lot a lot of liberties in justifying that it was okay meaning Mm -hmm. that she probably shouldn't have done it yes (laughs) and you guys i i feel like okay and hear me out here okay i feel like there is another world where something really cool could have happened where a vampire and a werewolf got together. Hear me out. I think Jacob and Rosalie should have dated. And oh. it is an opinion I hold in my heart. I think Emmett was wasted space a little bit. I just think more interesting things could have happened. I'm but sorry. I, Emmett Julia. is so fun. Emmett is the Emmett. fun brother. I know he is fun, but they don't need to date. It's why are all of them dating? I'm just saying other things could have happened. <laughs> that, More options. I will take explored. that point. 
why are they all dating? That is true. In these, in these Especially books, when you're all going to school together and oh you're adopted gosh, siblings. This is weird. That is very true. I think in, the, in these books, I don't think there's a single example of anyone <laughs> who is single and like even a little bit happy at any point like everybody <laughs> like there's no you just don't see anybody who doesn't have a romantic partner and is doing okay <laughs> like for the most part it's i guess like charlie for but then he you know charlie is just kind of sad all the time and then eventually he i think get, he gets together with um Penelope somebody uh yeah so he gets together with somebody and then he's like fine again there's um yeah Stephanie doesn't give a lot of love to single people no which is too bad she does not that's okay (laughs) okay you guys I hate to do this but I'm gonna mosey us back on track great that's fine Emma tell us what is your favorite book in the saga uh yeah so I thought a lot about this I think it would probably have to be Breaking Dawn um (laughs) because wow, that is a complicated book. And I just thought it was really fun to read. I especially love the second half because I love any kind of like sequences leading up to like the big battle, the big confrontation. Um, you know, I love like Deathly Hallows. And, like I love that stuff. I, um, I you also get think to the- meet all of the cool vampires too. Yes. Yeah, that is I- very cool. That is such a fun part. And especially like you get a little bit of it in the movie, but in the books, you get to really learn about all these like the literal Dracula shows up to mm-hmm. <laughs> fight for them. It's so awesome. It's so much fun. I also like the politics of the Volturi are really like I actually really like the world building in these in this series. And so mm-hmm. I think that's why I really I like breaking down the most because you get to be very involved in it and also bella gets to be more involved in it than she ever has because she is now uh a vampire and she has like you kind of get to see her coming into her own power mm-hmm. that way she mm-hmm. ends up being one of the most powerful vampires in the entire group um so i like getting to like see her come into that um the first half of this book is very very complicated and i know it gets a lot i think it's it gets the most criticism for being like essentially like mormon values propaganda (laughs) is what i've seen um because you have them getting married you have their whole honeymoon thing you have the whole baby issue and um and so i think those parts are they're very complicated but interesting um and i think at least with like the baby like i've i've seen a lot where it's like this feels very pro-life propaganda kind of situation um and i can see i can definitely see where that is coming from um but i i mean i'm you know very pro-choice but i thought that all of bella's decisions in that section made a lot of sense to me like she had every choice available to her. Like everybody else was telling her don't have this baby, but she felt very strongly about it because she could, she had some kind of understanding of that it was going to be okay. And it seems like she knew what was going on in her body and she like made her own choice in that. And so like, I have an okay relationship, I guess with that part of the book as well. Um, and 
I don't know. And it's really, really gnarly when she has to drink blood to satiate the baby. It's really gross, but I also think it's kind of, I don't know. It's it's gnarly. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's pretty baller. Like, (laughs) cool move, Bella. Once they figured it out and they're like, oh, this is what she has to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So yeah, I, I really, I like Breaking Dawn. I think it's fun once they get past the, they're also finally past the whole, like, I love you and I want to be a vampire. I love you, but I'm worried about your soul conversation that just permeates the first three books. And it gets a little exhausting in Breaking Dawn. We're over that. It's been done and we can move on to new things to fight about so yeah that's totally true i think the best thing about breaking dawn is it's also not focused on the love triangle and it's not focused on will bella be a vampire like things are finally moving forward my biggest issue with breaking dawn is that it has such good lead up it is leading up to what could be such an epic battle Bella's like going on a little mystery hunt. She's going out. She's trying to figure things out. She's getting people to help. And then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. I think the movie helped satiate the people with that. Yeah, I agree. I, the book, yeah, because I I saw the movie before the book and the movie, I loved the execution of the end. I thought it was really well done, but then I forgot. Yeah. When we got to the book, when I got to the end of the book, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that it all just turns out fine. But I don't really get like the excitement of the battle that happens in the movie. So and I think it like it makes sense the way that they did it. But I don't know. I kind of want some more. If It also, I think, reading the book, I kind of felt like, oh, it, this isn't the last that they're going to see of the Volturi. I would imagine they're just kind of yeah like they haven't defeated the Volturi. They haven't totally gotten rid of their problem. And so I think it'd be nice to get a little bit more of a a clear ending on that or like some kind of follow up that like continues into the politics of the the vampire government essentially <laughs> and if they ever truly leave the Collins alone cuz I feel like they won't. I mean, probably not. I mean, they might for a little bit and and a little bit for vampires could be 100 or 200 years. Right. But I think when you're dealing with groups of people who are theoretically going to live forever, there's always going to be conflict. And it just depends on how it's rising and descending. And I think especially with a group of people like the Volturi, who are a fairly aggressively though they pretend not to be but like a very aggressive group of vampires who want things done how they want them you know that they're going to come back yeah at mm-hmm. some point yeah so it would have been it definitely would have been nice to have a little bit more finale like finality to that but yeah. i understand i guess why she wrote it that way yeah i mean i would genuinely be surprised if we don't get some sort of a I don't know, series for young adults all about Renesmee. <laughs> I mean, I would be. Yeah. You all know it's coming. Well, Julia, what is your favorite yeah. book? Oh, okay. So my favorite book of the Twilight Saga is actually Eclipse because it focuses on my man Jasper's story. And yes. I just really like that. 
that is the section that I like of that book is it focuses kind of on the siblings individual stories. Yeah. Eclipse is my favorite too. I thought it was, it had like the most conflict and drama and it delved Mm -hmm. into the world a little bit more and less just like, we're vampires, we're werewolves, we hate each other, romance, high school. Yeah, it started to open up the universe a little bit more and then Breaking Dawn made it even bigger. The first two books kept it primarily, I feel like, Edward and Bella and Jacob. So it like starts Edward and Bella and then we add Jacob in the second book and then we add all the siblings in the third book and then we have every other vampire in the universe in Mm -hmm. the fourth one. Yeah, I do love when they get into Jasper's history and we get to like see him in his prime because until then he'd just been like the one who right he's just that creepy brother yeah he's just that creepy brother who can't really get too close because he no. like, there's a really solid chance he's gonna kill her so right. he just he's just kind of in the background and in the movies his faces are so funny they're so funny he's constantly he's so like bug-eyed and looking so... like really constipated and upset just... about <laughs> Constipated is the exact word that came to mind for me, too. <laughs> I want to know if it was, like, a stage direction that he he needed to do that or if it was, like, actor's choice. He was just like, the best way for me to play this role is to just stare like this. Right, to look like I'm in pain. Which it kind of just feels- also happens yeah. to look like I'm trying to poop, but can't. <laughs> It kind of feels to me like he started doing a more reasonable version of that. And then the director was just like, more, more, more. And eventually it got to be that. Like he was just kind of pushed past this boundary that he can't come back from. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I see that. Yeah. But it is fun also learning more about when you learn more about his story. And and you're right in opening up the world and like all of uh, that apparently like the American South is just this super bloody battleground for vampires where they're constantly Mm -hmm. fighting over territory. And I like that. um, I like hearing how different, how groups of vampires operate in different parts of the world. Cause I would imagine if like in the South, the whole like territory thing is it's much higher stakes because there's probably a lot less place. There's a lot less places for them to be, to live safely and where they can actually go out during the day and everything or and to risk exposing themselves. So that is really interesting. Uh, Emma, do you have a favorite section from any of the books or your favorite book that you yeah. want to share with us? So I have, I found two things. One is just kind of funny and one is more serious, but um, I found a note I took when I was reading Breaking Dawn Um where I think it's because part of Breaking Dawn is from Jacob's perspective, uh, which I forgot about. Um, and it's when he, I think he leaves Sam's pack because he doesn't want to hurt because they're going to go kill Bella because mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. pregnant with the vampire baby. Yes. Uh, and Jacob leaves them and then Leah and Seth join him. And it's when he's like fighting with Leah and Seth and telling them to go back. But he just has this line where he says, I snarled for a long, angry minute. And I really thought about <laughs> how long a minute is for a full minute. <laughs> and I just like I took a note there where I was like, I, I just took like 10 minutes and really thought about this and couldn't get over it. Um, 
because it's a really long time. For real, uh, like, what are Leah and Seth doing? They're just waiting for him to stop so they can continue. Starling. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Um, but my more, like, serious uh, one, I like in New Moon, um, there's a section that I also highlighted when um, Charlie and Alice are talking and Charlie is describing what it was like living with Bella like during her period of depression. Um, And I can read it quick. Um, So Charlie says she went back to school and work. She ate and slept and did her homework. She answered when someone asked her a direct question, but she was empty. Her eyes were blank. There were lots of little things. She wouldn't listen to music anymore. She didn't read. She wouldn't be in the same room when the TV was on. I finally figured it out. She was avoiding everything that might remind her of him. Um, and I like, and there's there's more like in this section, um, but I liked the way that New Moon depicted depression where you got a lot of it from Bella's perspective and she's very in her own head. But in the book, she doesn't fully realize like how bad it got until she hears it from Charlie's perspective and all these little things that she notices that had fallen out of her life that like she didn't, I don't think she fully in in this, like she, she just didn't fully realize like how it was affecting other people around her and how obvious it was that she was going through this. Um, And I thought that was really interesting because um, I don't know. I just, I think there are parts like I take issues sometimes with like the depiction of Bella's depression in that it was just solely because Edward was gone. Like, obviously that's not Mm -hmm. very healthy, but like what she was experiencing was very real. Um, And uh, I just, I thought it was like hearing, hearing Charlie talk about her and then seeing it from her perspective. um, it, It just felt like a very, real depiction of what it's like to be going through depression but then for that to be the norm for you and um yeah to for like it it becomes normal and you normalize it in your own head until you hear it from somebody else's perspective who's observing you Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I, I would totally agree with that that is probably one of like the biggest parts that affected me while I was reading the series was just how accurate her depression was. And also I think in the books, it what just has a page with a month on it at one point, like when she's sitting there and you just flip through like five pages and you can just tell that she, she is in pain. She is in pain and she's numb and she doesn't interact. And the whole way that you see that is just, an empty page except for the month on it. Yeah. And I, I also think, and I know, especially in the movie, and I think the movie does a really poor job of it because it's comical. She's like sitting sadly in a chair and the months go by and it feels like it's entirely wrapped up in Edward. But I think a lot of it is it's the Cullens like became her family. Like they were who she Mm -hmm. spent all of her time with. They were her friends and like Edward was her boyfriend, but everything she knew up and left without warning. So I think that she was just having like a really hard time dealing with that, obviously. But I think I know for me, like 
especially the first time I read it, even when I was a teenager, I was like, Bella, please get over yourself. Like, oh my God. But she was having, oh, she was depressed. She was fully depressed. And now when you reread it, it's so clear. And I think a lot of times people don't even know that they are feeling that way until they don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which makes it even harder. But yeah, I think I I would give Stephanie Meyer the benefit of the doubt and say that it's not even just wrapped up in Edward, but it's wrapped up in so much of her life changing after she already made such a huge change in moving to Forks. And then she found a new place to like build a nest. And then so much of that changed. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Also because I think, you know, she was at this point also looking forward to the possibility of joining them and for this new life that was ahead of her, that it was something like she could finally be excited about. And then that was no longer an option. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're so right. It's like a, a whole world was taken away from her in that. So, and and then everything else must just feel so mundane compared to what she was involved in before. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, moving away from this sad topic, (laughs) um, if you could be a character from this book, uh, who would it be and why? Okay, wait, pause. What? I think we should all say them at the same time and see if they're the same person. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to count down and we'll all say them at one? Yes. So I'll count down from three, but let's say it after one. So like three, two, one, the name. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Alice. Alice. (laughs) Wait, what did Maggie say? I didn't hear what Maggie said. She said Alice too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Maybe. You said Esme? I said Esme. So I thought about Alice. Good choice. And I thought that the idea her powers sound so overwhelming and I honestly just don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can handle knowing what was going on or, or what was going to happen uh, all the time. I I don't like the idea. I think it's really neat and I would want to be friends with her, but I don't think I could handle that. Um, I have a lot of love for Esme. Um, she doesn't have any like special powers except for, I think it's just like, compassion and like loving and everything has has been um uh intensified when she became a vampire and she's just kind of got it made like she doesn't have to go to high school like the rest of them mm-hmm. because that sounds horrible doctor husband um, yeah she's married to daddy carlisle and like that must be amazing and also she's super into like architecture architecture and interior design and she just has unlimited resources to do that because they're super rich and so she just gets to like spend eternity like taking care of her family and designing cool houses and kind of just doing whatever she wants with their time i'm like that sounds awesome yeah you know i would put it like that that, i might change (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just thought because yeah, I just so, love Jasper. So yes, that's true. So yeah, that's why I said Esme. I also briefly because I really love baking, and so briefly I was like, oh Emily, who's the one who's 
with uh Sam, the wolf pack leader. Oh yeah. And she just like when they go to her house in the movies, she's got this adorable little like cottage and she just bakes all day for these <laughs> and I'm like, that also sounds nice. She kind of has that. to bake all day. They eat yeah. a ton of food. <laughs> I'm like, that also sounds nice. But what I'm like, actually do I want to be like the only woman in a in, like in Involved in this pack of werewolves and also like she you know was attacked by her werewolf husband and i'm like okay that, i don't i don't think i'd want that but esme for sure imagine the smell oh my gosh I know. like they've all just been in wolf form and now they're back into people form and you go into this tiny cottage mm-hmm. it has to smell It'd real so bad sweaty. so sweaty yeah no thank you <laughs> I'm good. Hard pass. Um, <laughs> um, okay, but Emma, here is a question really mostly for you. Okay. Um, because you read the books as an adult, how do you feel about the progression of Bella and Edward's relationship? I know you touched on it a little bit, but kind of delve into that for us. Oh, my goodness. I have so many thoughts, and so I'm going to try and keep it relatively concise. <laughs> But I think my big takeaways were, okay, so Edward definitely has problematic tendencies. He gets very controlling um, and he, uh, I feel like, yeah, like he gets really controlling and there's definitely a lot of parts that kind of normalize like abusive behavior and codependency. Um, It's not great that he stalks her, you know, (laughs) obviously. Um, They spend literally every night together, even after she finds out that he's been watching her sleep. Um, I think there's a lot in there that is not a great example of what a healthy relationship should be. Um, But as it, but also like as an adult, I was able to view it as like, this is also kind of, how young love can be it can be very obsessive and that doesn't mean it's like healthy but also when you're young what are the odds that you're going to be in a perfectly healthy relationship from the start it's and so I think it gets better I can see like Edward making improvements to and I and I also think like going into it, I didn't think Bella was going to have quite as much agency as she did in some of the big moments. Um, I kind of went in viewing, like thinking she was going to be a really flat character who was totally submissive. And I think it's easy to read that way Mm -hmm. that she is totally submissive, but there are a lot of like really brave decisions that she makes and she goes against Edward and Jacob um, to make those decisions a lot. Like the whole plan for fighting the newborn army like most of that was her idea and she also like saved edward in the end um and things like that so i don't know if i'm fully (laughs) it's a very complicated relationship obviously um yeah yeah i think i'm like looking i'm looking at my notes to try and because i wrote i did like write a lot about that a lot about this kind of thing um I think I appreciate that I can definitely see the growth in their relationship from becoming this really, I don't, they don't really ever get away from like codependency, but from this thing where it feels like Edward has all the power and he has the tools to manipulate her. Um, But 
I think she is a like as they get further into their relationship, he learns more to listen to her and to not underestimate her um, more as we go forward. And so, and in the end, like she ends up having the same, like their power dynamic is radically different and she almost has more power than him in the end. I might, I could make a case to argue. Um, But I also think like to fully appreciate these for me to fully appreciate these books, I had to kind of view it as like a romance novel where you go into reading like, like a traditional romance novel, knowing that like, this is not how relationships are or maybe should work. Um, But you're just kind of reading it to escape for a little while and get like swept up in things. Um, But that's, yeah, I don't know. Um, So I guess those are like some of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that's totally valid. I mean, when I look at my earlier relationships, they were in no way healthy. And I think that that's often how it is for people who are in high school, because you don't know. You're figuring it out. You're figuring out who you are and who you are in a relationship. And so I think that things can naturally get a little bit toxic because you're you're still fully figuring out who you are as a human. And so I do think that one step further though, too, like because there are so many hormones going on as when you're younger and in relationships and stuff, there's also a lot that's put out in the media as well. Like there isn't a ton, or at least when we were younger, I feel like it's changing now, um, which is good for the better, but there weren't a ton of like healthy relationships to follow along with you know like if you're just starting this relationship and you're reading about this book called twilight where they're just starting a relationship and and you see that bella and edward have this like really codependent thing going on and and obsessive and kind of like manipulative and awful then you think oh well this is normal this is how we can interact with each other and it's fine um like there aren't there weren't a ton of um like healthy relationships to mirror i feel like right i would yeah i would i would totally agree with that where i think where the progression of their relationship makes sense to me but i think where it gets difficult is the fact that it's targeted at such young readers and Mm -hmm. that there's not like she's not really saying anything explicitly that says this isn't healthy and so you can't like and so yeah as a young reader you're just going to take that and think this is love and I don't think that's great (laughs) I don't think that's a great idea I think it's twofold I think on the one hand there needs to just be more media for young kids who get a wide variety of relationships so they understand Mm -hmm. what different relationships can exist for them. And I also think that as a writer, it is your job to make a statement on what you are saying. Um, You can't just like do something and be like, oh, my readers can form their own opinion. Like you have to have an opinion about what you are doing as well. Um, Especially when you're portraying 
a difficult relationship and a relationship where when you really think about it, it's a 100 year old vampire and a 17 year old girl. What are, and what, he should know better. He's yeah. 100 years old. No kidding. So I think that I, I do. I think it's the writer's job to to make a statement on what exactly their opinion is yeah, on the work that they are doing. And it doesn't have to be then the reader's opinion as well. And it no, that it, just needs there needs to be some sort of statement there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think yeah, as a writer, you need to take some responsibility. That obviously, it's you know, there's there's nobody saying like you shouldn't portray toxic relationships because that's a like toxic relationships are a a fact of life. Um, but I where it gets tricky is if it's normalized or romanticized. And it is very much doing that in the, especially the first couple of books mm-hmm. in this series. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think as an adult, we have the ability to look back and understand it and we can see the growth in the relationship and we can see what still needs to be different in our own lives, you know, <laughs> like to mm-hmm. not have a relationship like Bella and Edward. But as a kid, it's so hard. It is. But. Yeah. So if you were to say something to your younger self or the younger readers about the Twilight Saga, what do you think it would be? I think for me, I was lucky where I didn't romanticize Jacob or Edward. Like I, I romanticized the books heavily. Like I loved them. I loved them so, so, so much. Did you ever go to like one of those book release parties? Yes, I went to the midnight release parties at Barnes and Noble. Oh my god, cool... that's so fun! Yes, it was a cool time of my life. My dad took me. It was a classy experience we all <laughs> shared. Um, but I think I was lucky to like enjoy the books without having an attachment to the relationships, and so, and I think a lot of times my feelings on the books now are like. Twilight is so silly. Ha ha ha. I was so silly for liking them. But no, I think it's fun. It's fun to get obsessed about something. And I think kids have a right to get obsessed about books. I was so obsessed with the Hunger Games. I was so obsessed with Twilight. I wasn't hurting anybody. But I think as a reader, and it's something you figure out when you get older, but you just have to have the ability to think critically about everything you read, whether it's great expectations or twilight <laughs> like <laughs> think about what you're reading and form your mm-hmm. own opinion about it yeah i would i think that's a really good way to put or to kind of explain like why we still feel so attached to these stories but can also recognize like the complicated parts of them mm-hmm. i feel like to a young reader like if i had a child or some something who wanted to read twilight i i feel like i wouldn't necessarily want to expose them to it until they were a little bit older in their teens um or i'd at least want to have a lot of conversation around it i feel like i'd i'd say mm-hmm. like um yeah like here's what we can learn from bella and edward's relationship and that you know if he's he's sneaking into her room without permission to watch her or without her permission to watch her sleep. Um, Should he be doing that? And while we can see like what's motivating him and also, I guess it is his first relationship too. 
Um, (laughs) But how do we feel about that in the real world? Is that, you know, and, and making sure like this is fiction and it's okay to get swept up in things, but understanding that, uh, it, it, it because this is fiction, this is not how, or uh, this is not necessarily how we want to look at love. Um, and then you, but then you could also take the good parts of their relationship and like examine those. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I also feel like most people who read it, you or most people who read it as a young person as they grow up, you know, I don't, I'm maybe there are people out there, but I feel like. It's, it hasn't, hopefully it hasn't like truly damaged people. <laughs> um, and, and I will say like, if it's like people get into toxic relationships all the time and it's not like Twilight started that, like that's always, that's always been a thing. And so, yeah, the more media that's coming out and that is not normalizing those things, I think will really help with that. Mm-hmm. And so we can still look back on Twilight with fondness but recognize. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I would tell my younger self that uh, team Edward and team Jacob don't ultimately matter and you can just enjoy the book. But if you're in uh, connecting to Bella's depressive episode a little bit too much, maybe go talk to an adult about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If any, if you're relating to any of these things, talk to a dog. Please to talk to someone <laughs> that can help you process these feelings in a healthy way. Um, that's what I would say. Absolutely. That's yeah. I think one. that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Did you two ever get in like fights or arguments with your friends about team Edward or team Jacob? You guys, you know, I was I always didn't. on the periphery of it. There were people that were definitely fighting about it when I was in like eighth grade, but I was not a part of it. I don't think I wasn't. I'm gonna have because... like memories pop up, and someone's gonna text me and be like, "Julia, you absolutely did." <laughs> like, sorry, <Yeah>. blocked it. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, people might do the same for me, but from what I remember, I genuinely loved the books but I wasn't super invested in like team Edward or team Jacob. I think I just was, I think I probably could have been fine with anything if I felt like it made sense. That's probably good. (laughs) Okay. Oh, who you guys, who is the OTP one true pairing of this, of this saga? Obviously it's ravioli and Jacob. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I would say Carlisle and Esme. I would oh, say yeah. Jasper and Alice, but that's just me. I like Jasper and Alice too, but I think I think mom and dad are like where it's at true love. Yeah, I think I could see that. I think what I about- would also say Alice and Jasper, but also I think my favorite friendship is Charlie and Alice. Yes. They are yeah. so cute. <laughs> okay, so they are the one true pairing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't think, need to be a romantic pairing. That's true. I think Stephanie Meyer knew that those were our two favorite characters, and they constantly put them. I think she was like, <laughs> we need more scenes with yes. right. Charlie and Alice. We need a grumpy dad and a bright and sunshiny Alice and just lots of love. Amazing. Mm. Um. Well, how do you guys feel about – the movie adaptations. <laughs> um, 
the music is good. The soundtracks are amazing. That's I true. would agree. The the they picked out such great songs for for every movie. I listen to them regularly. Nice. I would say my favorite thing is that they all seem to have like a really cool blue tint. <laughs> um I also really really love when um Edward shows Bella that he's a vampire for the first time. I think that is like really it that's like cinematically artful. She In should have meta. won an Oscar. <laughs> um gosh, yeah. what else is there to love? I mean, uh so I think it's really funny that you know, it's kind of I don't want to say Twilight is like a cult classic, but it's like one of the cult classics that everyone likes to shit on all of the time, including the people that were in it, which that is, is my favorite thing. I remember seeing a tweet from Anna Kendrick at one point that was just saying something like, I forgot that I was in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> but she was. She was so great. I she was. love her as Jessica. Uh, my She's favorite so part. Funny. Okay. Can I tell you my favorite part of Twilight? Yeah. I would love it. Yes. The fact that all of the high schoolers acted like high schoolers, specifically the moment where I don't even remember his name, but he had a stick with a worm on it. I was like, look, Bella, a worm. Stick again and in her face. Me. Yeah. I love that part. <laughs> that has been poking around my head. This whole week, just knowing that we're going to talk about Twilight. Oh, <laughs> my God. Bella a worm. <laughs> it's so, it is that, so the the true high school scenes are so high school. Especially, like when, also when Bella goes to the movie with Jacob and that other just normal boy who likes her. And Mike, he's, is it Mike? Mike, yeah. yeah, Mike Newton. And she's just sitting between them and they both like have their hands gently <laughs> resting on the seat. Right. Right. They're both like trying to... Oh, that part is so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. As someone that likes using the armrests, I would be so uncomfortable in the movies. Yeah. Well, Julia, don't go to the movies with two boys who like you and then sit in the middle. I'm going to go to the movies by myself. <laughs> At a girl. That is good <laughs> advice. Uh, but yeah, that part is hilarious. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Yeah. I also do like, I love um, the man who plays Arrow in the movies. I just think he's so delightfully funny and sinister. He is. Yes. Wait, which one is He's Arrow? like the head Volturi guy. Oh! And he does these weird little laughs. Michael and he talks Sheen? weird. And he's like, Bella. And it's... <laughs> I just love him. I love him. He's great. He's mm -hmm. so great. I always forget that Dakota Fanning's in it. Even though I don't, oh, yeah. I'm always like, Dakota Fanning's in Twilight. And then I see her in Twilight and I'm like, ooh, Dakota Fanning, what are you doing here? <laughs> what is Why she are... doing nowadays? I feel like her younger sister is in more than she is. No, Dakota Fanning was just in that TV show, wasn't she? Oh, right. Wait, no. Elle Fanning is in that show on Hulu right now. The Great. Yes. Dakota Fanning was in a different TV show that was like about a scientist. It was based off of a book. Mm, I know what you're talking about. It's like a murdery show. Yeah, but, but I, I it's didn't a period see it. piece. Yeah. Anyways. Um, have you guys Anyways. read any other vampire fiction? 
I read the Vampire Diaries a really long time ago. Sweet. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember any of it, but that's where I'm at. I have not. Other than, I think I read, like, Dracula. Once, oh, yeah. I read sure Dracula, that too. Um, I don't, I don't know if that counts as vampire, vampire fiction. <laughs> have um, have uh, either of you read any Anne Rice? No, that name sounds really familiar, though. She did Interview with a Vampire. I think she's oh, actually known for a ton of vampire books. Hmm. Yeah, I have heard of her. I've heard mm-hmm. that's good. I haven't yeah. read any of them. I just know that her name is synonymous with vampire book. Hmm. I'll have to check her out. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, I guess this could kind of go along with the vampire fiction you've read previously. But final question. Do you have any books to recommend to our listeners who have already read Twilight and looking for something else? I thought about this. I kind of had a hard time with it because I haven't really read a lot of other books like Twilight. But Mm -hmm. something that did come to mind, um, it's not really the same thing, but um, are a couple of short story books by Angela Carter. Um, She specifically, the ones I've read are Saints and Strangers and The Bloody Chambers and Other Stories. Um, She was this amazing writer in the 70s who took fairy tale. I think it's the 70s. She took fairy tales and she was kind of one of the first people, I think, to like do the dark version of fairy tales. Um, And uh, I mean, other than the original, the original originals, which are super dark. But um, yeah, I, I really like that because she she does a lot exploring like the female psyche and female sexuality like through these fairy tales and a lot of them have kind of this dark sexiness to them that I really enjoyed I wouldn't say it's similar to Twilight but I don't know it just kind of came to mind if you look like want something a little fantastical but that isn't like a straight just fantasy I guess nice nice I think that's yeah that's great yeah I would recommend Midnight Sun, first of all, uh, even if you've already read it. Second, I think I would recommend um, the book series Hush Hush by Becca Fitzpatrick. That's one that I read in high school that I also had uh, an obsessive personality about. And it's about this uh, teenage girl that falls in love sort of it's like an antagonistic relationship but eventually she falls in love with a fallen angel and gets swept up into that universe similarly to how bella falls in love with a vampire and gets swept up into that universe so awesome Mm -hmm. yes okay i have two two series to recommend um one is shiver it is a young adult trilogy And it's about a girl who falls in love with a wolf, not a werewolf, just a wolf. And he turns into a man. And it is, you guys, I haven't read it since I was a teenager, but this was peak romance for me. I thought this was one of the most romantic things I had ever read in my entire life. It was amazing. That's adorable. Yes. (laughs) And then (laughs) the other thing I would like to recommend, um, because it was very important to me when I was in middle school about the time I was reading Twilight and I haven't seen a ton, although I think they're making a TV show is vampire Academy. Mm. It explores a lot of the same themes that Twilight does, but it is also about vampires and it's about the people who take care of them as well. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's very, it's a very different take, but it, it's very, very interesting. But um, it was circulating about the same time that Twilight was. Both of them came into my life at about the same time. Nice. Cool. Well, with that, we heckin' did it. Thank you so it. much for <laughs> listening. And thank you, Emma, for being on and talking about Twilight with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so if you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We are off to record our newest Q&A episode for our Patreon. So if you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.